The following is a production of Galactic Netcasts. This episode of the Podcast of Terror is brought to you by our friend and frequent guest, Matt Vincent. Head on over to thehate.com, that's T-H-E-H-V-I-I-I.com, and use the code HBG15 for 15% off your order. Welcome to episode 54 of the Podcast of Terror, production of Galactic Nutcasts. This is a podcast about the things that make you shit your shorts. I'm your host, Matt Stein. With me, as always, is Corey. I don't know where babies come from, Scott. Corey, I'd ask how you were, but you don't know where babies come from, so we all know you're fucked. I don't know. And also, shitting your shorts, does that mean we're going to do a prune episode? Yes. Uh, episode 55 will be a prune marathon. Live on YouTube. First one to shit their shorts loses. For more on That's the way pod- I like to play. <laughs> For more on this podcast, including show notes, content information, subscription links, go to gncast.com slash pot. You can chat with us on our Slack channel during our shows by going to gncast.com slash sign up. While you're over there, you can subscribe to our newsletter as well. Podcast of Terror is really spoiler heavy because I don't care about people. So if you haven't seen the topics that we're going to be discussing, today is Frighteners, 1996. I guess you can call it a movie. You're going to want to watch that first. And uh, Corey wants me to tell you that I swear. Fuck I you. do. I like you to say it's slow and low, I, and uh, rub your nipples a little bit. I have a potty mouth. I am rubbing my nipples. Um, enough nipple rubbing. Tonight we are joined Never by... stop. <laughs> Fuck, stop. All right, tonight we our guest is the vocalist for the Minneapolis metal band Etheric, and he was also the producer for a short horror film called When Susser Stirs. Uh, I guess I could call him a friend. Eric Caius. Eric, how are you? We are friends, Matt. I'm doing all right. <laughs> We're definitely friends. So confirmed. <laughs> confirmed friends. Facebook friends. Yeah. Shit's legit. Um, mm-hmm. We briefly started talking about this film that you produced. Uh, I didn't want you to tell me too much because I told you I'd make you talk about it. So sure. Talk about it. When Susserus Stirs is a short. I think it ended up being right around eight minutes, eight and a half minutes. It's a short film adaptation of Jeremy Robert Johnson's story by the same name. So he wrote a short story. And it is in this um, compilation of his short stories called uh, We Are Inside You. And this is one of them. It's a body horror film. Uh, it just goes through all this grotesque stuff about this guy getting a parasite. And it's, uh, he ends up, instead of rejecting it and like trying to figure out a way to you know, save himself, he actually embraces it instead and finds a way to help spread the, si- the next cycle. And so there's lots of gross stuff. So when is when is that coming out? Well, there's no official release date right now, as far as like to the public. But it has. We are making the um, festival circuits. Um, we just got accepted into a rather well-known festival. It takes place in Austin. I can't mention it yet. Nice. But if you're a fest fan, then you probably know what I'm talking about. But we've won some won some awards and accolades. <laughs> Nice. Uh, um, when, when can your your old pals over at the podcast Atera get a peek of this? Mm? I can mm. shoot you a link to the trailer. That's the best we'll I can probably there. do right now. We'll start there. Yeah. But uh, when it comes out, we'll have you come back. We'll talk about it. Absolutely. Maybe two movies because it's only eight minutes long. Right. Although I could just get drunk and complain about it for an hour. Yeah. Oh, let's do that. <laughs> um, By the way, the only time that Matt will ever be able to say with a straight face, it's only eight minutes long. Oh, boy. What? If I ever had sex with my wife and it was eight minutes long, I'd be real pumped. You would. That's get like a three times in a nap. <laughs> that is four sandwiches, three times in a nap for me. Nice. <laughs> I know. I'm fucking setting the bar high. Sorry, everyone apologized to my wife for their lack of sex life. Um, awesome. Well, Eric, thanks again for coming. I know we talked yeah. about this a lot. Mm-hmm. And finally, it happened. We're way better yeah. now than the first time we talked about doing this. Right. <laughs> we're less of a shit show than back then, but we're still a shit show. So I don't want you getting too excited. I'm not at all. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I was actually surprised you even remembered because I texted you like five hours ago and I'm like, you're still doing this, right? <laughs> yeah. I didn't remember at all. Are you actually. serious? Yeah. No, I forgot. Damn. Well, okay. I'm glad I reminded you then. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, you played it off like you remembered. So good deal. Okay. Um, let's get into some news here. Just some shit happened. Um, as pretty sure Eric and I were talking, we both had really long, heavy drinking weekends. So um, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm I'm not with it. I just want to go to bed. But we're here because uh, Corey makes me love you guys a long time. 
Um, mm. Long time. <laughs> Love you, long time. First minute thirty. <laughs> well, let's see. We are. We're done. Then we're done. Minute and thirty. We're way done. Ooh. Um. First news story we have is uh. I I love Stranger Things. I know Corey also does. Eric, have you watched it yet? I have. It was great. Someone made a short DOS style point and click adventure game based on like the woods scene at the start of the first episode. Sweet. Yeah. I it was. No it, was it took me like ten minutes to play through, but it was still pretty fun. Um. You can download it for free at uh, itch.io. Uh, it seems to be a free game, but people are asking for a full-length game. I love, I love those point-and-click games. Um, we talked about one last week, and I literally was going to start playing Phantasmagoria again today, and then uh, this fucking new mixer showed up, and there went my entire day. <laughs> I played Corey. <laughs> Corey made me buy a new mixer so he didn't have to hear himself, and we could you know, get better audio quality. And, yeah, uh, I was more worried about having conversations with really cool people and people not yeah. being able to hear or understand them on the show. Well, so when, I, when we first started doing this and I bought the mixer, I didn't want to spend a ton of money because I didn't really know where this would go. And it's a year later. And, and it went nowhere, but somehow or another, we still got a new mixer. Didn't go that far. Um, yeah. Well, we got Eric here. He's you know like the fourth coolest guest we've ever had. I wear that badge with honor, by the way. <laughs> I'm going to print you a shirt that says fourth coolest <laughs> guest on a podcast that no one listens to. Have Brad do it. He'll sell it to me for cost. There you go. <laughs> if Br- Brad's, Brad's a sponsor on our show. StatusRemerge.com. Yeah, too bad, yeah. He, too bad he doesn't listen. I'm wearing his black cat crew shirt right now. I'm wearing this uh, perfect <laughs> hoodie here, too. Corey, are you wearing Brad's shirt? No, I'm wearing something Twin Peaks related, but I do love the Status Fear shirt that I have, which is actually for your band. Well, that's not oh, really nice. a Status Fear shirt. That's the Drown the Lifeguard shirt. doesn't matter. It's still a beautiful shirt. <sighs> Remind me to send Very you the... high quality. We got, we got the first mixes. Remind me to send those to you. Please do. I was talking to Corey. Eric, you can't have them. Ah, oh, fuck. But since you said please, I'll send them to you too. Thanks, man. <laughs> Real picky with who hears these things. I suppose. <laughs> I got super drunk in Kansas and hardcore danced to them. Did you? Yeah, one of I, uh, one of my buddies there is a singer for uh, he he's now in the band Amanaza. It's like a doom metal band. Okay. And I went down there because uh, their guitar player passed away in November, so they did a memorial show. And the band that James and Jay were in when I met them got back mm-hmm. after like eleven years for a reunion. So, um, like nineteen year old me, just super pumped. But on Friday, we got uncomfortably drunk. <laughs> <laughs> it was fucking two in the morning and. We're playing the songs. I just remember hardcore dancing. I woke up, both my feet hurt. Uh, you were stomping. I was. Uh, yep. On, on the beat, too. God damn. <laughs> I'm so glad there wasn't any video. Too dark in there for video. Um, But yeah, so there's a Stranger Things game that came out. It's point and click. It's a little fun. Take you 10 minutes. Just every single thing that seems to come out having to do with Stranger Things. And there's more and more stuff that's been happening with it. It, it, it just... It doesn't seem to detract from how good it is. It's just... Everything just adds this little extra spoonful of happiness uh, about my obsession with this show, and I, I cannot be more excited that we're going to see more of this coming up. Everyone that I see that watches it, their first response is, I can't wait for season two, which is true. I mean, I, I personally wish I would have waited longer to watch it just so that there's less time between season one and season two. Yeah, I would uh, agree with that. Yeah, so I don't really know your horror background. I just know you're a horror fan. Me? Yeah. Yeah, I I like, I mean, I grew up with my be, having like the third or fourth movie I ever saw being Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Okay. So, I mean. At least it wasn't two, because if it was two, I'd lose respect for you. Right, that was a shitty movie. It was a bad uh, movie. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> such a metaphor for homosexuality the entire way through the movie. It just never dawned on him Mm-mm. until Mm-mm. like yesterday or the week before that it fi- how everything was gay in that movie mm-hmm. everything that was fairly recent that was like within the past year that whole thing yeah. came out yeah. yeah no so like 80s style horror stephen king everything that's yeah. yeah that that stranger things encompasses was for me it was like it was like going home like watching that series was was like going home it was great that was the first thing in a long time that like truly felt new yeah which is while feeling classic, which is weird. Yep. Yeah. I just hope they don't fuck up season two. I think as long as they keep the strong creative team in place, they'll 
they'll do all right. That's true. Um, that's really what it comes down to is those the people making the decisions. If as long as the studio and the business guys don't stick their muddy little fucking fingers in it. <laughs> well, that's screw kind of the beauty up. of it. That, that's the beauty of the Netflix model is that you just get to go make great art and you yeah. don't have to worry about results. You don't have to worry about payoff or anything because it, you've already been paid for it. it. It's all kind of set there in front of you. And just like, just go make this shit, man. We, we believe in you. Here's the check, you know, do what you got to do to make a great story. And that's why I think Netflix is killing it. Whereas so many other, you, you watch anything on regular TV and it's just such a mess and you wonder how does this even wind up getting to air? But this is like, this is just like art without interference. Yeah, I mean, they really have bypassed the whole Hollywood political system as far as like the, the uptight bureaucracy that goes on there and all the, you know, underhanded deals and, and everything by having the format they have and letting real artists make shit. It's mm-hmm. it's cool. Have either of you watched Black Mirror? I tried to watch it and I just didn't get into it. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, God. That was so fucking good. Corey, have you? Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. It's one of those things that I keep thinking I'm going to get to, and I'm hoping to. Right now, I'm trying to uh, finish up, and it's not even a long season, unfortunately, but I'm halfway through Terriers, which was an oh, FX show from a few years yeah. ago. And I I should have watched it when it was on, and I just kind of missed it as it was happening, and I've been telling myself for a long time, like, I'm going to watch Terriers now, I'm going to watch Terriers now. So I finally jumped into it, and it's so goddamn good. That's one of those that that show should have kept going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and they left it on such a shitty spot, too. I'm not quite there yet, but... Yeah. Don't fuck it up, sure guy. Just, yeah, well, hey, you quick. said spoilers are all over this podcast, so... That's true, but you don't spoil things for Corey, because we don't want to make <laughs> no, no, Corey it, sad. It's cool. Well, Corey, at the end, the dog dies. Yeah. Yeah. I actually don't know. I haven't seen it, so if I'm right... Mm, no, sh- you're not. All right, good. <laughs> Thank <laughs> the Lord. The future. Um... I suppose we should move on. Sit and talk about shit that's not on the list all day. Yeah. <laughs> um, not really horror news, but still probably something that should really be mentioned. Um, it was actually earlier this month. Now, we're not recording this like way after the fact, but they just announced it today that uh, Gene Wilder passed away at age 83. Um, apparently, he died earlier in the month and his son just told everyone now, which I thought was actually kind of cool that it was able to be kept quiet for a couple of weeks. Still yeah, sad. and uh, the thing about it is that also he's he's been suffering with Alzheimer's for a while mm-hmm. and he's not let that leak out because he didn't want kids who see him and recognize him from things like Willy Wonka to associate this guy that they see as this character with this disease and have to deal with all that stuff. So I mean it's just kind of he did everything he could to just keep people smiling while he was around. Mhm. Yeah, he was, I mean, God, he was in so many good movies. <sighs> yeah, I was mentioning to a friend at work, it, a lot of my favorite lines from literature I hear with his voice because he wound up saying them in films. Uh, Willy Wonka, uh, The Little Prince, just such iconic things that have always kind of rested in my heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're from him. And then even things like were not literature, but just stuff he's, he's done in Young Frankenstein or Blazing Saddles, uh, everything he's been in, uh, Stir Crazy. I only, in the last couple of years, smartened up and realized how wonderful Gilda Radner was and just <laughs> completely fell in love with her. But Gene, like, from the time I was a little kid, there was always Gene Wilder, like, on my TV, in my head, someone that I looked up to and and just loved. And so this is this is a hard one. Agreed. I mean, it's kind of, we all know it's going to happen. People don't stop getting older. But luckily, we have all these great movies that you can go back and watch. Relive the glory days. Yeah, and yeah. At, least, at least he went out on top. You know, like, yeah. he stayed he stayed legendary, whereas a lot of guys, you know, they lose it after a while. They go through all these crazy slumps, and they mm-hmm. put out movies that are maybe subpar. And, Adam you Sandler. know, Gene... Yeah, I mean, look at that. You can you can just tell that he started doing it just for the dough. Mm-hmm. And Gene Wilder doesn't have that. You know, like he has this legacy of quality films, and that's about it. Also, the legacy of you know how much he tried to educate people about cancer after Gilda 
developed yeah. and passed away and things that weren't being screened like why why weren't doctors asking about history of cancer i mean this is back in the the 80s yeah. like oh well my mom had it and my aunt had it and all this <clears throat> other stuff it's like why are we not bringing this stuff up why is this not being talked about because by the time they discovered it in her she was already at stage four and there was nothing they could do uh, it he's obviously very prolific comedic actor uh, writer, director, producer. He's just done everything and just such a master. But at the same time, also a really incredible guy. We should probably do Young Frankenstein soon. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you think about it, we, we talked recently, a little while back, I think, about uh, horror for younger audiences mm -hmm. and, and is is that something that people should, should have and experience? And there's some really scary shit in Willy Wonka. Yes. I mean, there's some terrifying scenes in that. And I think that that's part of what makes it magical is that it it affects kids on so many different levels. There's there's the part where you walk in and you see all the candy. There's the musical parts. There's the, the kids in the different forms of brattiness. And then there's the things that are just like, I'm going to have nightmares about this. And I think that it works in so many ways because of that and in the lessons that it teaches at the same time and just spectacular performances all around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love Willy Wonka. The um, the boat scene yeah. that ultimately was turned into a Marilyn Manson song. Right. <laughs> Fitting. <laughs> um, but yeah, Gene Wilder died at 83. At, le at least he made it to 83. For real. You know what I mean? Which yeah. dude had a pretty solid life. Long list of movies too. Mm -hmm. So, Corey, we'll do Young Frankenstein when we stop having guests. So, sometime in 2017. Yep. It's a <laughs> good and a bad problem to have. Yeah. Um, no complaints. Yeah, right. Uh, the last story I got, kind of interesting, um, especially given the fact that there's a, a video game for this coming out supposedly in uh, October, but um, Friday the 13th is headed to federal court to figure out who owns the rights. Yeah. And, saw that today. Yeah, it seems kind of crazy. Um, I don't know. It, it just says that it, Miller, this guy Miller wants to take ownership of the rights, which will then revert to, quote-unquote, someone in July of 2018. Yeah, so Victor Miller was the writer of the original film, and uh, Horror Inc. and the Manny Company are the ones who he worked for. They say that when he did the script, he, he was... It was considered work made for hire, uh, which is something similar to what happens to uh, comic books and was a big reason why Jack Kirby didn't show up on the credits for a bunch of Marvel movies for a long time uh, because they considered all the stuff he did work for hire, but he created or co-created almost the entirety of the Marvel Universe uh, with Stan Lee. And uh, it's similar to this, is that they say that there was a contract that he worked for them so therefore, the work was owned by them, uh, even though there's some arguments as to whether or not that was the case. Right. Yeah, that's exactly what I read, too. Same thing with that other guy that was part of Batman, um, Bob Kane. Bob Kane? Well, Bob Kane, and he had a, a co-writer that helped. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's kind of tough. I mean, at the time that a lot of this stuff was coming out, there wasn't a lot of creator rights. Right. Uh, this is obviously much later than than a lot of the comic book stuff, but it still was kind of you you worked for them, and there was no idea that movies or comics were going to stand up to so much time and scrutiny. There were there wasn't the the VHS era or even the Betamax at that point. There wasn't uh, cable that they're going to be rescreened on all the time. Nobody thought yep. that these horror movies had the legs to just be forever like they were and to get what is essentially 12 sequels uh, to to just keep coming out. Like, oh, I made a, a movie not even about a guy in a hockey mask, the iconic one. It was about his mom seeking vengeance on the campers about him. <laughs> and, and who knew that there was just going to be movie after movie after movie and then crossovers with other movies and dolls and TV series and everything else. And like Matt said, a video game mm -hmm. that's coming out. Very, uh, and not the first video game. video game. Yeah, it's it's just it, it's insane that you can't plan ahead and think, oh, this is my meal ticket. Mm -hmm. uh, and then when you do, you wind up guarding something so much that you either get really lucky like George Lucas, who, not lucky, he worked really hard for it, but 
you know, kept the rights to Star Wars for the merchandising when he could have just sold out and gotten more cash up front, or you're like all these other people who just never get dick because they they guard it too much and they don't want anybody to take it away from them, so they just it never gets discovered or used. Yeah, didn't he use those merchandise rights to help him fund Empire Strikes Back too? And that's something yeah. that yeah, he didn't have enough money. Yeah, I mean, there's something to to say for the having the integrity of like believing in your own vision so much that you just won't let someone else uh, take over. Yeah. You know, Kevin Smith saying that he wasn't going to do Chasing Amy with uh, all the big-name actors that they wanted him to use. He wanted to make a movie with his friends, and so he took less money to do it, and he continues down that path today. He does smaller movies that are kind of funded by his his particular audience yep. as opposed to trying to do big films, although he's getting to do TV stuff now. I, I appreciate that a lot. It doesn't always work out. It's not always the stuff that I necessarily want to see, but it's still, that's kind of incredible. At the same time, there's nothing wrong cutting that big movie check and saying, fuck it and getting out of here. Right. Yeah. And teach their own, I suppose, in that scenario. And in either case, I respect both of those things more than the people who's just like, oh, yeah, so I got hired to remake this movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm going to redo this film again. That's that's. Uh, I just had a, a minor hit with this thing, and now they want me to redo, I don't know, Chasing Amy or fucking Romancing the Stone or something. I don't know. But it just, like, that's what it, that's frustrating to me, is that that's yeah. what we've gotten to with art. We definitely have. Corey's butthurt. <laughs> a little bit. I just wanted to yell at you for being butthurt. But yeah. So I'm curious to see what happens, because I know that they were supposed to make a, a sequel to the reboot, or was it a reboot of the reboot? No, it was another reboot, yeah. It was another relaunch entirely, and I guess Jason's mother was going to have a more significant role in it again. And, and his father. Other... And his father, yep. His but father would be seen. No one wants to see the mom at this point. Yeah. No one thinks of Friday the 13th and thinks of the mom. That's yeah. just me, though. You don't uh, have to reestablish that character. Mm-hmm. It could be Sherry Moon Zombie, and, you know, that's... <laughs> Fuck. Speaking of, I we're actually going to see 31 on Thursday. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's for some strange reason of the 400 theaters in this in the country, it, one of them is in Appleton. Huh. Yeah, I was pretty pumped. Uh-huh. I don't know. I, and I've been trying to find this movie for a long time. You can ask Corey. I have yeah. Discovered the internet. I like his movies, so I would be interested to see that. I like some of them. We, I know we've had this discussion multiple times and it's like i really liked house of a thousand corpses and the devil's rejects and the first halloween second halloween was not good no um, you're right lords of salem was it kind of good yeah like, i got okay. like a weird boner off of it um and then what else did he make i'm forgetting one isn't that about it i thought that was just those ones as far as full length films I, that's all i remember yeah i, I think i remember like a a a tape or a dvd of shorts oh, or um, animation the haunted world of el superbisto oh yeah yeah which is actually really good mm-hmm. um so yeah i guess yeah, you're right of all of his movies there's only one that i didn't care for yeah so, I got so, high hopes for it. so maybe next week i'll talk about that we'll see yeah i'm um, pretty good i hope so it's because it's like a, a one night one time release the tickets cost more yeah so i was kind of buttered but whatever YOLO bitches. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, cool. Well, that's going to do it for the news. Unless one of you want to say something else about Friday the 13th. Nope. Didn't think so. Nope. Cool story. Uh, before we get into the movie, I figure we should probably mention the fact that a nice gentleman gave us a five star review and a nice little write up on iTunes. Oh. Holy balls. Really? <laughs> yeah. So it took me, I read this earlier. Um, the name was like, familiar but i wasn't sure why and i finally figured it out so i'm curious if you the the name is rory g bellows i'd be very surprised if either of you know what that's from but i'll tell you after i read it so he wrote this is a podcast for two dudes talk about horror movies and other geeky tangents it's not reinventing the wheel by any means however it's taking the omnipresent formula and nailing it doing what these types of podcasts do best let you in on a fun conversation about the things you talk about with your own friends Super easy to get into, and Matt and Corey's chemistry make this podcast a multi-listen and very enjoyable way to pass the time. Thank you, Krusty the Clown. Oh. Yeah, that's the name that Krusty uses when he goes undercover. Works on the shrimp boat. Not really a shrimp boat, but... (sighs) I'm looking at you, Jack and Dan. They probably don't listen to this, but whatever. 
fuckers. We also had a really great email from Maggie about oh, Megan. That I, oh shit. I got a lot of comments about Megan. Eric, have you ever seen Megan is Missing? No. You should watch it because you have. Or don't. You I mean, a... it depends. If there's any kind of cutlery around you, maybe not then. Um, but when you're <laughs> when you're safe uh, with with a lot of witnesses, uh, keep an eye on you. It's sad. You, you sold me. Yeah, you sold me on the movie. <laughs> it's um, it's heart wrenching. It is sad as fuck, but it's super good. Okay. Like, insanely good. <laughs> I'm, I will check it out. I watched it once, and I will never watch it again. Oh. No, no, no. Yeah, I have no desire but, to ever watch it again. I, I did appreciate uh, a lot of where where Maggie felt very, you know, upset by the the scenes and everything. Mm-hmm. She, like us, she kind of came around on a lot of it from Gary's uh, discussion points on it, and and how he. Why he brought it to us, the the stuff that he talked about from the website, everything, and that that to me is a big reason why we do this show. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not always we we sometimes we just talk shit, but it's really amazing when those times work out when we get such great discussion from someone like uh, Gary or from Lucy or Nicole, some of our recent guests who really bring something out from these films that we would not normally. Uh, come to that conclusion on our own. Mm-hmm. So, uh... I suggest you go yeah. back and listen to the last episode, Eric. I will do that. Yeah, and good luck living up to that, Eric. Uh, <laughs> right, <downloads>. yeah. <laughs> I, I try to set no expectation. <laughs> oh boy, set that bar low. You can never let anyone Absolutely. down if you set the bar low enough. That's right. Um, cool, well, thanks again, Rory, whoever you are out there in the world. Um, let's talk about Frighteners, which... I'm not sure how I feel about it. <laughs> <laughs> that means he hated it. <laughs> uh, I didn't. I didn't hate it. I just was really confused by it. All right. So uh, to to give you a little bit of of layout here, uh, Frighteners is a 1996 movie. Uh, it's a New Zealand American horror comedy film directed by Peter Jackson, which I don't think I knew before this viewing. Oh, really? Uh, okay. Yeah. I. I Seen several times, but I'd never really paid attention. And because I'd seen it before Peter Jackson was, you know, getting really well known for doing Lord of the Rings and stuff, uh, this, I always associated this with uh, Robert Zemeckis, who was the producer of it. Mm-hmm. But uh, Jackson being the director, I think this is the first time that I really caught that and paid attention to that fact. It stars well, uh, Michael J. Fox, Trini Alvarado, uh, John Aston, who. I love from, you know, the Adams Family and just pretty much everything. Uh, random episodes of Night Court uh, going yeah. back in the day. Uh, D. Wallace Stone, who is uh, very well known in a lot of movies, but in the horror genre stuff. Jeffrey Combs, which is amazing and is always like the biggest standout to me in this movie. And then Jake Busey, who I recognize for being the lead singer of The Offspring. <laughs> Yes. I didn't realize that was Jake Busey. He looked familiar. Yes. I couldn't figure out why he looked yeah. familiar. Um, cool. Way to go, Jake Busey. <laughs> yeah. So the the story is basically uh, this guy, Michael J. Fox, plays Frank Bannister, has a near-death experience when his wife is killed in a car wreck with him, but seemingly not necessarily dead from the wreck. Uh they find her body thrown from the car. They find him wandering around with no recollection of what happened. And on her body is carved the number 13. Uh, he starts to have visions of ghosts and otherworldly things, uh, becomes known around the town as a psychic who can help exercise demons from your house. But it's basically a con job, and he's using ghosts that he has befriended to get people to pay him to get rid of uh, whatever's going on. And so they go in, they start shaking stuff around and throwing babies and and lifting toilet seats. And then they drop his card there, which I think is just like very brazen. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, you know, we've we've got this problem. And fortunately, they left (laughs) left someone to 
to tell them to fuck off for us. So, uh, but the the story kind of starts out with uh, Dee Wallace's character. When she was younger, she had a boyfriend who was a kind of a bad boy. And by bad boy, I mean a mass murderer. They go on the spree in this hospital, killing a bunch of people, trying to basically get the high score. And uh, she's 15 at the time, and they couldn't prove that she had anything really to do with the murders. So they institutionalize her for years. He gets the electric chair. And uh, the, the question becomes how much of an influence was she on the killings? And as we go along, we find out more about them at the same time. Yep. Yep. So what it, <laughs> it felt really long to me. Yeah. Like there was no point at which there was a, a real lull in the story, but I just remember periodically seeing how much time was left. And at one point there was like still an hour and then there was still a half an hour. Just like fuck. Kind of like how time works linearly. Uh, yeah, it does count down typically, or up also if you decide to count it that way. I hate you both so much. <laughs> uh, I and so I the the second point in which I looked, there's a half an hour left. It was when um, uh, Michael J. Fox was just about to kill what's his face, Jake Busey. Jake Busey. Yeah, I was Johnny this, Bartlett. Yeah, Johnny Bartlett. I was trying to think of his real yep. name, not Jake Busey. And no. <laughs> uh, I just remember thinking, like, what the hell else could they do with this? Like, it's, it's almost over. What's left? And... I mean, it is. I, I agree with you because watching this again, I was surprised at how soon uh, the ghosts that are hanging out with uh, Michael J. Fox's character are all dispatched by Johnny Bartley, who's mm-hmm. who's at first we don't even know that it's him. It's basically this Grim Reaper looking ghost right. that's going through and killing people. Uh, by squeezing their hearts and making their hearts stop. Uh, but he does... So the ghosts have the ability to kill other ghosts, which is not expressed a lot, but uh, John Aston's character, the judge, has yep. guns, and he can fire the guns, and he winds up shooting up the uh, Bar- Bartlett's character uh, in this this ethereal form, and it does do damage. Um, but then... He comes back, he winds up killing the judge, he winds up killing uh, Chi McBride's character Cyrus and Jim's Fire, Jim Fife's character Stuart. And it's it, it just, like, it gives us this finality to, like, now they're not just dead, but they're also completely gone. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised yeah. that that happened, which is almost about the halfway point of the film. I, for some reason, remember them being around longer. Uh, and we, we do get uh, some follow-up with them later on. But it was like, oh, there's still so much to go because uh, Jeffrey Combs' character, he's playing this crazy uh, FBI agent who had been insinuate, put in a cult and stuff to try to break them up, but has gotten so fucked up in his head and has all these things and marks on his body from being a part of them. He believes that uh, he needs Fox's character... Yeah, he does need a hug. He he believes that Frank Bannister, who is uh, Michael J. Fox, he believes that he murdered his wife and has been killing all these other people because they've gotten up to about forty killings yep. if you include the original twelve that Bartlett had done at, mm-hmm. the, at the beginning that nobody was associating this with. Uh, so he thinks that Bannister's been killing them, and he's just kind of like trying to keep him in jail. When he escapes, he just wants him to be dead. He's like at all costs. He wants to stop this guy. It, other than the fact that he's fucked up and nuts, <laughs> not a lot of of reasoning going on as to why he feels this way. Right. Um, but he's just so great. I mean, the best decision this movie made, I think, was getting Jeffrey Combs to to play in it. I mean, he oh, was yeah. perfect. That that line that he says when he's out out front of the cop car and he's like, "My body is a roadmap of pain." That has haunted me for since the first time I ever saw the movie. It was something that I both laughed at and was like really creeped out by. He had the scars and stuff. I was like, whoa. But, I assume yeah. you should be the singer of a black metal band. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's nope. really the standout as far as what makes it feel more like a Peter Jackson movie. Because for most of this, it comes across very much like a Tim Burton film. 
Yeah. Uh, including the Danny Elfman uh, soundtrack. It just yeah. seems like they're trying so hard to make the next Beetlejuice um, or or anything that Burton was doing around that time. But the the, the Peter Jackson stuff kind of seeps in, and, and Milton Dammers, uh, who Jeffrey Combs plays, is certainly the biggest thing that feels more like it's Dead Alive or, you know, uh, anything else that he's done up until that point, uh, right. where it's just got that that perfect weirdness and that mentality that seems more like a New Zealand film. Uh, like when we watched Deathgasm, <laughs> Deathgasm we compared a lot to Peter Jackson's early stuff, and um, and this has just a little bit of that. Not quite enough for me to make it like a great, great movie, but just enough that I'm like, it, it holds my interest more than it would otherwise. So... Interestingly enough about that, the, you mentioned the tone about it. So one thing that I looked up was this movie was written by Jackson's wife and him while they were filming Heavenly Creatures. Yes, which, so, you know, they named the the female lead in this uh, Lucy Linsky. Now, Linsky is the last name of Melanie Linsky, who was in Heavenly Creatures, Right, and she plays uh, the de- one of the deputies in this. It's not really much of a speaking role, but she is in here, and you could kind of see that maybe he had her plan to be the lead role in this. Well, originally it was just a, a like a three-page concept that was given from Peter Jackson to his their talent management. Robert Zemeckis got a hold of it and was actually set up to direct it. Originally, it was going to be directed by Robert Zemeckis. But then after Zemeckis turned in, or after Jackson turned in the full script, Zemeckis said, no, this is way more your thing. But I do think that that like lighter kind of like weirder touch to it, I think that has more to do with Zemeckis being a, a producer and having say on Final Cut, because him and Jackson did get Final Cut on the, on the thing from Universal. And then Universal bumped up the, the release date instead of giving it in like a, an October 31st release, which is when it was supposed to be originally, they bumped it up and had it compete against Independence Day. Whoa. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was a stupid fucking move on Universal's behalf. So. I mean, it, in in my opinion, this is a much superior movie to Independence Day, but Independence yeah. Day was obviously, it was the gigantic hit that it was the summer uh, that it came out. And yeah, this is kind of gets thrown to the wayside there. It's yep. also the last uh, movie that Michael J. Fox did. Yeah, his last uh, it starring his last lead role. role. Yep. He went from yep. this to doing Spin City, and that was basically, you know, right. He left Spin City because that was when he got diagnosed. Hmm. Um, it took a little while to find that out, but yeah, this was. I mean, it it's so much like let's take Dead Alive or bad taste and try to make it palatable to a mainstream American audience. Yeah, that really was Jackson's intention anyways, too. He was trying to prove with this flick that, you know, New Zealand movies could work and and stand up to the same, um, both technical and story-wise, like scrutiny or whatever, that the Hollywood flicks can. They can compete. Um, So this was kind of his deal with that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it it helped him get some foothold in to be able to be given things like The Lord of the Rings and make these giant movies that now everybody knows him for. Yeah. And hugely successful and have some crazy-ass box set coming out that's way too expensive. (laughs) Right. Yeah, Yeah, this was the first one before he actually started working on Lord of the Rings. The last one, rather, before he started working on that. So Hmm. I don't understand how you feel like you could take something as graphic as some of the stuff like bad taste and dead alive and make it palatable for like mainstream i don't think it's pretty tough i don't think it's possible i think what it is is that they were starting to see like these films were starting to catch on on vhs people were watching them they had never been released at the theater here in the states but people were talking about them people understood that there was something called meet the feebles and it's like what the hell's meet the feebles and they find it and so there was an undercurrent of people that they were hungry for this new kind of content and i think what they did is they said all right let's see what we can do but they didn't want to play super loose and 
and uh, outside of their wheelhouse too much so that they said, well, at the very least, we can package this like it's a Burton movie. And people like Burton movies at this point in time. So it wasn't so far gone, but I, I think it was just reined in enough that it couldn't get people super excited about it. Yeah. Like it, that audience is out there and that audience wants this weird shit. Um, but it's still, it. Hollywood thinks it's an underground audience. And I think what it is is they just haven't gotten comfortable enough to take risks yet. Yeah, not quite yet. I never want to agree with you because I hate you so much, but I think I agree with you. <laughs> I still hate you. Jackson, actually, they were trying to neuter this movie more when they made it to try to get it a PG-13. But the MPAA, of course, they still came through with that rated R. And Jackson still friggin' hates them for doing so, that to this movie, he says. So this was rated R? Yeah. I don't think it, I don't feel like it should. I don't think it needs to. Yeah, there's to. nothing in it that makes it feel like it needs to be. Yeah. There's no extreme is. language. There's nothing horribly violent to it. Not I mean, really. there's certainly things that kind of like give you the willies, but nothing that is so out of bounds. And most of the violence, especially the ghost on ghost stuff, is so cartoonish. Mm -hmm. uh, none of it really makes it like the use of of blood in in things like Dead Alive. That's why it's it's a gore fest, and that's yeah. why it's rated R. But all of the cartooniness violence of it is no more extreme than a Tom and Jerry cartoon. Right. That's a really yeah. good way to put it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess I picked this movie because it is not necessarily a horror film, but there's, like, scary elements to it, and kind of shows the background of a guy who... You know, did some different stuff along the way to doing some really huge stuff, which is a valid point. I mean, it it was it almost felt like like an adult Casper. Yeah, kind of. Um, yeah. I mean, there's scary stuff like especially the the thought that a serial killer could still kill you from beyond the grave, which is not. I mean, that's been explored in a lot of movies. Nightmare on Elm Street, that uh, or Shocker, uh, which is probably yeah. more recent than this. But yeah. it, it's still, it's not unusual. the The cooler part about it, I think, was the mix of the dead serial killer and the still living partner. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. I think that was a cool idea. I thought that one thing that caught me when I very first watched it when I was a kid was like, oh, it has like the lightheartedness of Back to the Future with the whole Zemeckis, Michael J. Fox tie-in, but also it has this weird darkness and it's about killers and murderers and stuff. So when I was 13 or 14 or whatever it was when this movie came out and I saw it for the first time, I, I was just sold on it. Plus all the cool special effects that really hadn't been done or seen before at that point. Mm -hmm. um, all the CGI stuff. That was pretty sweet. Yeah, and the CGI stuff in this really holds up. I mean, yeah. it doesn't look like it's aged much at all uh, for being from 1996, from 20 years ago now. Yep. Uh, which just feels insane. But it, I, I watch this movie, and it's essentially it's timeless. We just rewatched uh, the two Ghostbuster movies the other day because uh, there was nothing better on it on a Saturday, and <laughs> those movies still like. There's something about them that they never get old. They never feel old. Uh, while the second one isn't nearly as good as the first one, it's beloved because of its association to it and because we've been watching it for however many years. Yeah, right. But certain movies like this, yeah, they continue to hold up over time. And I, I feel like that this is a movie that if I played it for somebody today, they wouldn't think this is a 20-year-old movie. Right. Yeah, and I guess I like any, any flick that... Um, a doesn't take itself too seriously, which this one does not. I mean, it's not afraid to. I mean, he pulls out the hemorrhoid donut before he gets on in the <laughs> car in the cop car seat and stuff. I mean, just stuff like that, yeah. and and also that it broke a lot of new ground. I mean, the the digital effects I was reading. I mean, anybody can read this kind of crap on the wiki page, and it could be total bullshit. But I mean, it was an 18 month vis visual effects run on this movie. I mean, it was the longest time Weta at the time had only been open and existing for three years, and so it was the biggest undertaking of projects that they've ever done as far as the, the digital visual effects on Frighteners goes. And they had to break a whole lot of new ground, plus they pulled in like Rick Baker to do the judges' 
facial makeup when yeah. I was reading out, which I had no idea. So, I mean, a lot of cool stuff all, like, went into the pot to making this, and it ended up breaking a lot of new ground. We wouldn't have maybe gotten the same versions of, you know, Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit or any of those cool movies without this one coming first and showing that what Peter Jackson could do given, what, $26 million? Is that the budget for this? That was the budget for this. Jesus. I could see it. I mean, so, in 96. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, it was $26 million and it made $29.3 I know, right? Uh, <laughs> which, good that it made all its money back, but it's just too bad because, yeah, so many of the characters, I'd, there's not an emptiness to them. Even things that are just like throwaways, like the, the husband of of the the girl in this dies yeah. and like is is hanging around kind of a, a Bruce Bruce Willis esque um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> six sense thing and he's sitting there and he's trying to have conversations and then he even like he's an asshole and he knows that she didn't love him and he's realizing in death like she she kind of couldn't stand him but he still tries to go to protect her when he sees her goes into the this freaky house yep and then gets like final killed in and everything. But his character has a lot of of quirkiness and depth. The the different ghosts, the judge, and the judge wanting to have sex with the mummy character or not character, yeah. just like a corpse, a mummy, a mummy corpse, yeah. um, <laughs> because she's got good teeth. Uh, it like hey, some Lee of us Ermey try very hard to have good teeth. Randomly. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Lee Ermey showing up as the the military guy in so perfect, and uh... keeping everybody in line in the in the graveyard. It's just like everybody's got these great little quirks that kind of stand out. It's everything seems more fully realized than what's necessary, but it gives depth of character to each of them. Uh, the woman who hates Bannister and winds up getting killed and blames him as she's going into heaven. She's just still screaming obscenities at him because yeah. she thinks that he killed his wife and he murdered her, even though that's not the case, but just like, the gut wrenchness of it, of like, this is how she's going out. Is she still despises him? Like, there's something on her way really to heaven. Great about this. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I always like that. Could be worse. Well, you you didn't like the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I really wanted to because I like you and stuff. But it's all it's all good. I I, I didn't know what I was gonna see. I didn't, right. know, I didn't know what I was in for. I remember seeing the poster when I was a kid. That's about it. Um, and that's prob- part of the problem, too, is that the poster, and, and even the title, it just doesn't really stand up to what the movie is. It doesn't describe it very well. It it just it feels like it's a different movie that it's trying to pitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was one thing, too, that was listed on that Wikipedia page. when I Because I'd always loved the movie and never really looked into the background of it or anything, but that was one thing that Peter Jackson was, you know, quoted as mentioning that he really thought that Universal, a, a big part of the problem with the movie, quote unquote, failing would be the not only the distribution of it, as far as like pushing him up and making compete against Independence Day, but also then the they didn't know how to market it and they didn't know how to, you know, get out to those audiences like me or you that would have maybe enjoyed it in the theater at the time. Yeah, it's it's a hard movie to sell. It's a hard movie yep. to sum up. Uh, it's there's a lot that goes into explaining what it is without giving it all away, which is what we're kind of doing here. But I just, I, again, if you if you don't say to people, well, it's from the guy who did Dead Alive, then then what do you do? Yeah, I don't know. Kind of try to break it down like like what we do then. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean. Based on the movie poster and what I remember being a kid, I never would have thought that this movie was what it was. Sure. It, it, it's an adult Casper done mediocre. <laughs> you know, this, this, it didn't need to be two hours long. I'll tell you that. No, no, it could have been. Yeah. It could have been shorter, but then I feel like we would have lost some things that I, I think are parts of my favorite things. Mm-hmm. Like, they they go through the scene of, of Bartlett um and uh what was her name Patricia killing the people in the in the hospital that part seemed to go on a little bit long uh yeah. and I don't know that it was completely necessary because uh Bannister is is going around bumping into things and kind of like going in and out of what happened and what's going on now is he's being chased 
Yeah. And they have the the other thing of um of Coombs kind of showing up and still trying to capture him at the same time and getting in the way of things. Mm-hmm. Bannister being essentially flatlined to turn into a ghost to be able to go chase Bartlett. Yeah, and the out of body experience. Yeah. It it does kind of like those things kind of stretch out, but at the same time, they're things that again give the story more than what it just would be on its own. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's like we figure we're right there with Bartlett getting killed. I think the only thing that could have happened is instead of Bartlett getting away and just kind of like coming back and being himself, which was kind of disappointing after seeing him as a school Grim Reaper looking thing for so much, is that if we just if he had gotten defeated, but then we realized that the other killer that's still at large is Patricia and utilizing that more. Um, but he was the more interesting one because he was the ghost. It was his abilities that made the story what it was. So yep. there's something that just crossed my mind is <clears throat> at the end of the movie, you see Bartlett pick up a knife, but earlier in the movie, you see ghosts flying through Michael <clears throat> J. Fox. They do, but they can move things with corporal form. I mean, that's one of the things that uh, Ray Linsky says when he's sitting at the table. He realizes, oh, I can affect the real world. Oh. I can move stuff. Yeah, he and, does say it. I can move shit. Yeah. And it's because <laughs> of that that Cyrus and Stewart are able to haunt people uh, to get Frank business. See, I must have been uh, doing anything other than paying attention. There's a scene where they're, <laughs> they're hanging the babies around and they're throwing them around through through the room and stuff. Yeah, I remember that. I just I didn't remember him pointing out that like they have the choice to manipulate stuff. Yeah, I mean there's a there's a couple of different inconsistencies that sort of play out throughout that. I mean I know at one point the when they're in the mansion, um, and they're in the house and Patricia's killed her mother already, mm-hmm. and they're chasing Frank and Lily through that house they wind up in that one bedroom and then banister breaks the painting and then the spirit of johnny bartlett comes out of the painting and automatically gets sucked into that urn yes and and i was kind of like when i rewatched it just again today i was like well what the fuck now they got to try to explain this urn and why that has magical powers to me like where's yeah, that the urn mix? Thing's a little weird and they they kind of just skim over it they say yeah Milton's like, oh, well, I suppose you need to get this to hallowed ground and everything. Oops, and just pours it out. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, okay, that that's good because it shows us the cliche while eliminating the cliche. But it, you're right. It's still a lot of effort for something that doesn't really even pay off or make any sense for where the film ends up. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of contrived a little bit. But, I mean, those things will happen. It is horror after all. <laughs> I mean, in some ways, it's to give all these different characters, and there's a lot of characters, it's to give them something to do. Yep. yep. Which seems dumb. Just have less characters. You <laughs> need to have all these characters. Yeah. But the only thing I can say to that is that I found every character that showed up interesting in what they were. Yeah. Trying to think. Like, I would watch or read a series or whatever about Milton Dammers. You know, I, I kind of regret that he died at the end, but if they had done a sequel and have him be a part of that in the afterlife, man, I just. I wanted so much more of him, and I want to see his life history. I mean, he's like the the opposing opposite of Dale Cooper from Twin Peaks to me. Oh yeah, like he's they, just it epitomizes this weirdness, and like there's this whole world that he's a part of that you just kind of want to follow down that hole. Yeah, he's like Fox Mulder, but with anxiety disorder. Yeah, <laughs> I think Corey wants a sex scene. I think really that's what he's getting at. A little That's bit. probably what he's getting at. No. Hey, Corey, guess what other movie he was in? Uh, he was in Reanimator. Fuck yes, he was. Nice. Yeah, Yeah. Combs is, is great at creepy. I mean, that's why he was so perfect to, to choose to be in this. If you guys ever watch, and I know you probably won't, but uh, the Justice League Unlimited series. I watched that twice. From the Batman animated yeah. series and everything. He was the question on that series. Uh, and he's okay. got that great weirdness to him. He's hanging out with the huntress in that and like he's just like he he questions everything he's like all about conspiracy theories and stuff and that is so perfect for who he is as a character actor nice i did like how this was a one and done movie how it had the movie had a very distinct beginning middle and end they didn't do that whole like leave it open for a sequel type thing yeah i did i i I feel like I miss that about movies of yesteryear 
when I was growing up, everything now is set up to be a franchise, set up to be a sequel, set up to be, you know, whatever. And I, I just, I miss those movies where it's just, this is it, mm-hmm. you yeah. know? That's a, that's a really good point, actually. This movie only meant to be a one-time movie, which yeah. now now it's how many movies can you make out of one story? Yeah, exactly. How long can you stretch this out? You never get to finish mm-hmm. any of your, like, actual like expository dialogue or anything like that it never really actually goes anywhere because you can't reveal too much yeah i mean the only thing that people care about is how many dumpster slut sequels you can make right exactly yeah (laughs) exactly (laughs) i mean we were talking about stranger things earlier and i know that they've announced the next season is coming out and they've said that it will be a sequel i would not have been disappointed at all if it hadn't been if yeah. it had just been another series, you know, another story, different town, different people, maybe even a different time, I would have no problem with that being the case. I'm not upset that it's a sequel, but that was my expectation. That there, yes, there's still a story that could be told with these characters, obviously, with Will and everything, where they leave it at the end of the series. Mm-hmm. But I just thought that that was it. And, and not having answers to those questions was part of the great story that they told, is that there's still so much there that we don't know and we don't get the answers. Um, but I, I agree. I think sometimes things are written to be franchises when they, they don't need to be or they certainly, you know, no one's demanding it or asking for it. Uh, by the time we get through the second and especially the third Insidious films, it's like, oh, Jesus Christ. Um, but people keep seeing them. I'm one but of people them. keep seeing them. Right, yeah. But that's that's a problem is that we've been conditioned by Hollywood to have sequels mm-hmm. and tie-ins and everything else. You know, it's not just Insidious, but then it's like spin-offs about dolls and spin-offs about this other shit. Whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. The Nun from The Conjuring 2 was fucking terrifying, and I'm excited to see that movie. And and that, that may be the case, but... Shut up, Corey. We didn't... It Don't didn't used to have to be dick. that way. Don't be a dick. Yeah, it, it definitely didn't, and I, I do miss those days. I, too, uh, was hoping with Stranger Things that they would make it, like, the first Netflix-style show where they did unrelated seasons of the same show. Kind of like a... Um, American Horror Story. A, well, sort of like that, I guess. Yeah. Who, who knows? Lines. Maybe they'll do two seasons on these characters and then move on to a different batch. I mean, cool. we we had True Detective did the first season and the second season were completely different from each other. Except yeah. the second season was just terrible. Was it bad? Um, train wreck. Train oh, wreck. it was uh, such a fucking... mess. It was like just seeing somebody who was like at the top of their game just push out a lump of shit. Um, probably because they were just under a ton of pressure to do it. Delete season two, I'm not even bothering yeah. watching it. It was like watching Dennis Rodman stand underneath the basketball hoop and do <laughs> cocaine while trying to get rebounds. Did you ever hear that he broke his dick jumping into a girl's vagina? <laughs> I did never hear that. Yeah, he took it was running. that Madonna? No, it was just some 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 hood rat. But she like asked him to take Madonna? a start and jump into her vagina, and he broke his dick. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I can't say don't watch the second season. Oh, I thought just, we were to, just to, to know to away from Dennis Rodman yeah. TikTok. I I can't say don't watch a Dennis Rodman porn. Um, <laughs> uh, you want to see? It's funny when he man. comes, he looks just like Shaq. Uh, but I just like watch it because there's there's what? certain bits. It starts out with some magic. I I just think that Shaq's got a great O face. Uh, there's certain elements there that it's like there's potential. There's like this moment of like such weirdness uh, where somebody's playing music in the bar after one of the characters has seemingly died and then they didn't die and it, it starts out great and then it just goes way the fuck off the rails really let's, really fast and really really poorly let's save this yeah. for our, uh, our true crime podcast yeah <laughs> but it's, you have that too it's coming not. out next month oh, no I, I stole that joke from our friends Jack and Dan at worst episode ever Every time they get oh. off topic, they're like, oh, I'll save that for this blank podcast. Well, now that we got that mixer, we got to put that shit to work. Yeah, we probably should. Fuck. I don't do enough so, of my life. Frighteners. Yeah. <laughs> Why are we here again? Um, <laughs> let's rate Frighteners, I guess, unless you guys have yeah, something else. Yeah, let's do that. Cool. No. So uh, we do it on three categories. Uh, zero to five scale, we go rewatchability, story, and then scariness. We're going to start with rewatchability. Eric being our quote-unquote distinguished guest, you may go first. 
Uh, I hold this at a three out of five as far as rewatchability goes. There's enough likable factors for me, and I seem to find myself stumbling back across it when there's really mm-hmm. nothing else that I'd like to watch. Fair enough. So, yeah. Corey, I hate you, but you can go for you can go next. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna say three as well. I think that it's a perfectly valid movie to catch once in a while. I wouldn't go seeking it out, but if it happened to me on and there's you know, dick all else, and they're not playing Good Eats reruns on the Cooking Channel. I would, I would watch this again. I'm gonna go <clears> two. Um, pretty much what Corey said. Just, I would rather Less watch Dick it. All Else potentially. <laughs> rather watch com- commercials during a NASCAR race. <laughs> yeah. Are you gonna watch this or Megan is Missing uh, between the two? I would watch Megan is Missing. Oh what? shit! Until the last twenty minutes, <laughs> yeah. then I'll just go to sleep. Um, story zero to five, Eric. A little bloated, but uh, overall, I think everything in it was necessary. We'll go three. Corey? Uh, I'm going to say four just because I love the characterization of this. I I think that everybody in this is so enjoyable. And like I said, there are characters that I would like to see a lot more of their either history or what can be done with them later. Dammer's character reminds me of something from like a Douglas Adams book. Mm. Uh, I'm going to go two and a half i feel like if it was more condensed i may have liked it more i didn't hate it i just i don't know i think i expected to like it more i thought eric would pick a better movie <laughs> <laughs> like i said no expectations no man i think you picked the right movie for this week i agree <laughs> i definitely agree with that and and you said you watched this a lot when you were growing up right yep so there yep. are a lot of movies that Corey hates but i loved them because i saw them when i was a kid for yep. example strangeland now it's I like that movie. Yeah, yeah, but it reminds me of like being a kid. Now, if I saw yeah. it for the first time now, I'd probably be like, "Whoa, this is a fucking bad movie." But uh, um, it can be both. It can be both. It can be something true. that's bad that you love. Yep. Uh, scariness zero to five, Eric. Oh, I mean, it's like a one or two on scariness level as far as I mean. There's some creepy spots in it here and there. The overall concept is pretty scary, but mm. execution-wise, not a lot of scares in it. Fair enough, Corey. Yeah, same. It's it. I'll go two at best because it's not really frightening, uh, other than just looking at Jake Busey's face. <laughs> right, it's pretty uh, terrifying. Uh, I'll give it a two. I mean, the the visual effects weren't bad for the time, especially. Um, definitely not a movie I would masturbate to again. <laughs> so it got a knock there. But wait, you said again? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I sure <laughs> did. Why do you think I... when you said you'd rather watch Dick All? <laughs> I was watching this movie and I'm like, ooh, Dick All's on. <laughs> Rub one out real quick. That's fantastic. That's the that's the first time anyone's ever jerked off to Jake Busey's teeth before. That you know of. Now I'm picturing like Jake Busey as a character named Dick All who does like a home improvement show where he goes around and Fixes things wearing overalls and has hammers hanging on his pants. Make sure that's a one and done series. Uh, get on that, Corey. Draw a comic about Gary Busey as Dick All. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> awesome. Uh, you can By go- the way, I can't, I can't think that there's anything more one and done than Jake Busey's career. Right. It was pretty bleak. Dudes. You can contact us. Oh, okay. If you thought Corey uh, should draw a comic about Dick All, Starring Gary Busey. You can contact us by leaving us a voicemail at 805 328 You can email us at pot at com. You can leave us a message on the website. Also, Corey wants to hear from you, especially about how much he should draw a comic called Dick All. Because I want him to draw a comic called Dick All. Tell I us actually you want you to write me stories about erotic mat porn as he watches movies and masturbates to the, the key scenes. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Corey, god damn it. It so good at just derailing me. Um, <laughs> just let us know what you love, what you hate about the show. Maybe you want us to uh, go deeper into Dick All or erotic Jake Busey porn. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Podcast is Here. You can subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and any of your favorite podcatchers. Leave us uh, feedback on whichever one you like, like our our new friend, Rory G. Bellows. We go five star. All the subscription options and links can be found at gncast.com slash subscribe. You can follow us on our Facebook page under Galactic Netcasts. Eric, if you want people to find you on the internet or anything you do, this is the part where you say it. Uh, you can check out the band Aetheric 
uh, that I do vocals for that we have a new album coming out, Serpents Beneath the Shrine at, I think it's Etheric MN mm-hmm. on Facebook. Yeah, there's, there's yeah. going to be a link in the show page to your band. Perfect. Sure. Yeah, I have uh, no idea. <laughs> fucking singers. Uh, also, yeah. uh, Etheric was uh, featured uh, main event 10 Rounds and Breakdowns on my other podcast. So if you want to hear what they, they sound like, go listen to that, pad those downloads, um, get me off of this podcast of terror shit. <laughs> <laughs> get me the fuck out of here. Um, no, I love you, Corey. But yeah, uh, make sure you check out his band if you're into heavy music. Yeah. And if you're not, just download it, mute your computer, and hit play to get him another download. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> Corey, where can people find you? Uh, if you're not into heavy music, but you want to look at some nice pictures with stories that I sometimes write, but certainly are usually produced by someone much more fun and creative than me, Levi Krauss, you can go to don'taskcomics.com, uh, where I don't draw. How are you going to draw dick all if you don't draw? Uh, I... It's it's a challenge. It's gonna hurt. I probably will just put a marker on my penis. I'd pay to see that. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Matt the Lifeguard. Thank you very much for listening to another episode of the podcast here, and we will talk to you guys next time. Hi there. This is Brett Stewart from Geek Cinema Society. Are you a film lover? Do you consider yourself a connoisseur of the silver screen? Well, Geek Cinema Society is a weekly roundtable program where each episode we touch on a film considered pivotal to geek culture. From Blade Runner to The Goonies to Mad Max, we dig into it all. Plus, our guest each week hasn't seen that week's film until the episode. Join me and my co-hosts, Nicole Davis and David Luzader, on a spectacularly fun journey that hits your podcast feed every Sunday. Available on Blazing Caribou Studios. Next week on the Podcast of Terror. Next week we're going to get swifty. We're going to take our pants off and shit on the floor. I hope at least two people got that reference. Uh, we're going to be watching Wes Craven's New Nightmare with Dan Mulhall from Worst Episode Ever in 90s Percentile, who was mentioned at least three times in this podcast that you just listened to. Um, super excited to have Jack on. Fuck. Have Dan on. <laughs> no, I am also Jack. <laughs> We're all fucking Jack here. Uh, I was going to say we had Jack on seven episodes ago, give or take. Recently. Um, back in July. So I'm excited to have Dan on. And then in the future, we'll have them both on for a big cluster fuck. So, yeah, that'll be next week. Bye. Stay scary, everybody. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Podcast of Tear. You can help Galactic Netcast pay for our web and audio hosting by supporting us on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash galactic netcasts and pledge as little as dollars a month. You have been listening to a production of Galactic Netcasts. For more about this show and others, go to gncasts.com. That's g-n-c-a-s-t-s dot com.